Well, we have a special ministry today. I can't call him a guest ministry because B. Diff, Brian Diffenderfer, is no guest here at Hillside. But um, come on up, brother. I want to pray for you before you preach. Um, Brian Diffenderfer has been a part of Hillside for about a decade. And for those of you who don't know, Brian did used to serve in pastoral ministry. I mean, like official in a church pastoral ministry. And he's been in this in-between season. The Lord brought him to Hillside. What a gift he's been. Amen. To this house, he's been a gift to me personally. He's been a gift to everyone who gets around him. The love of God just oozes out of him. And he never stops crying, which I love personally. And, and he's a great, sharp-dressed man, too, i got to say. He's just, we did not plan this at all, but here it's like I'm passing on the mantle. Here you, got, you got it in there. But I want to encourage you to open your hearts and mouths wide to receive the word of the Lord today. Brian's been bursting with this. He's going to give, have a baby. So I, I thought, we better let this man give birth. He's going to be past due on it and hurt himself in it. But he's really, really, I, I can't wait for you to hear what the Lord's going to pour through this man. So would you please extend your hands to him? Father, we thank you for the gift of God that you sent our way when you sent Brian down here from Lewistown to minister among us here at Hillside. He's preached the word around the area. He's ministered heart to heart with so many, prayed for so many. And now, Lord, we open our hearts wide to receive the impartation that you're going to bring through this lover of Jesus and lover of people. We bless him, Lord, and thank you for the joy that he brings everywhere he goes and we pray that you'll anoint him fresh to deliver this word with the same spirit he received it from heaven. We bless him, Lord, and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give him a warm hillside welcome, guys. No, there we go. I'm going to put these up. <laughs> Why? Wow. It's been a long time. Comment. Can we sing that one more time? I surrender all. I surrender all, all to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Whew, I needed that. As I was praying and uh, planning this message for the last couple of weeks, um, scripture after scripture kept coming. And what I started isn't actually what I ended up with. And I know we can all kind of relate to sometimes in our life. What we started up with isn't what God has intended. If you would have told me when I was called into ministry, I wasn't called into ministry until my 30s. So about, I, I, funny thing is I'm terrible with date. I'm terrible. Ask, I know some guys will say amen to that that I meet with. I'm terrible at remembering dates and keeping things in order. Ask my wife that she will say amen over over and over. But I, I thought back the past couple of days, and it was 2003. So I'm 56 now. So as you know, I was not so young, even when I was called into ministry. And when God laid it on my heart, it was after a time of a 40-day, and I was, uh, I thought, man, called into ministry. So how is it, you know, when God lays something on your heart, right, we think, what? Better happen right now, right? And we actually push after it, and we go after it, we think, and sometimes we make things worse because we try to force it to happen. You would have told me back in 2003 that I'd be standing here in Millersburg, PA at Hillson Fellows, preach to this congregation. I look out there and I see so much love and people that I love and love. I would have told you, because you see, my first church experience, staff experience, was at a, uh, a relatively big church. Had three to four hundred people. I was associate pastor there, right? And ministry, you know, it was actually a church that I had attended for years and years. And I was going there and I'm thinking, man, Next step, senior pastor, right? I thought, okay, your associate pastor is the normal progression, right? You go from associate pastor to senior pastor. And I think, oh, you know, oh, this is going to be awesome. Three to four hundred people, you know, preaching every Sunday. 
it's going to be. And then all of a sudden, my world came falling apart. I mean, I'm not getting into all the detail. And I ended up in Millersburg. <laughs> Who would have thought? Do you know what I knew of Millersburg before then? It was when I was, I played basketball in high school and baseball. But what I love about coming to Millersburg during basketball season, what do you think it was? What's that? Not well. I wish I would have known. A French fry. The Christmas light. I loved coming to Mill. I always hoped we came before Christmas or shortly thereafter so that I could see the lights in Millersburg. By the way, welcome back, Boyd. It's awesome to have the Boyds back in the house. And I thought, that's what I knew of Millersburg. Well, that and they beat me four times two years in a row in basketball. But anyway, and that was it. That's what I knew of Millersburg. And so when I ended up down here, I was like, really? Millersburg. I thought it was a small community. I went to East Union, like I said, Cal. I thought I went to a place that had a small school before, and then I come to something smaller. It's regressing me back. I kept going backwards and things. But all along, he was just taking me backwards so he could bring me forward. You know, sometimes we need to back up in life so he can take us. Wow, that dream I just told you. So I had a dream the other night. This is so cool. God just is speaking it. This is uh, God speaks to me through dreams. So um, I went, to, I was in a car with somebody and I went to pick up Pastor Steve, but it wasn't Pastor Steve's house. He was in a, living in a, an apartment complex. <laughs> Who knows? Anyway, I pulled into the grass, not a four wheel drive vehicle. I pulled into the grass. And because of me and who I usually am and not thinking, it was muddy, wet. I couldn't get out. And so Pastor Steve's still outside the vehicle trying to tell me how to get out. And he says, I need you to go backwards, right? I need you to go backwards. So I don't know how long I went backwards. It felt like forever. But everywhere I went, I left these big, huge ruts in the yard. I mean, huge. And I'm going like, oh, my goodness, this is terrible. They're going to hate me here, the people that are in the apartment complex. I remember this is what I think in the dream, Okay. And so eventually get out, right? And I'm thinking, they're going to make me pay for this. That's just what's going through my head in the dream. And way up above in one of the high, highest apartments, somebody was at a door outside, somebody that I knew. Um, and he said, Brian, come on up here. Come on up here. I know now that represented the Holy Spirit. He said, Brian, it's okay. It's okay. And I said, what's okay? He said that you did all those ruts in the yard. And I said, really? He goes, yeah, because we're going to redo that whole thing anyway. Sometimes he needs to back us up to move us forward. This is a special day for me, more than you'll ever know. And God has been speaking things over and over again to me. And I honestly, uh, Todd came up to me this morning. He goes, I can't wait to hear the message God brought. And I said, I can't wait either because I really didn't know what it was. But it's kind of like, uh, <laughs> there's a young pastor, he came out of seminary, and uh, he put his name out there, right? And this young, this, I could say like this, a, a small country church, this would be relatively small compared to a lot of churches. And it's on a Sunday, they invited him for a Sunday evening. So he shows up on a Sunday evening, gets up there, only one old gentleman sitting in the back. Nobody else was there. He got, uh, maybe I shouldn't preach. Only one guy. He goes, I'll go back and talk to him. He said, sir, he said, since you're the only one here, maybe we should just cancel this and do it another week. What do you think? Crossed his hands and he said, well, young man, I'm an old farmer. And if I go out to feed my animals and only one shows up, I'm still going to feed them. I said, okay. All right. I get it. I get it. Right? So he gets up, starts preaching. Half an hour goes by. I thought, I'm going to give this guy everything I got. You know, he stayed. I'm going to make sure he knows. I just got out of seminary. I learned all this stuff. And we keep... An hour goes by. He's still going strong. He's like, oh, I got it. I got it. Hour and a half goes by. He's still preaching. He's feeling. 
finally, after two hours, he said, oh, I feel pretty good. I was pretty good. I showed him what I know, right? I, he's feeling, goes back to the old man. He goes, so? He goes, what'd you think? How'd I do? Old man crossed his arms again. He goes, well, young man, he said, if I go out to feed my animals, he said, I'd still feed them, but if only one showed up, I wouldn't dump the whole load on them. <laughs> so anyway, there's a lot of people here. You're getting the whole load. Anyway. All right. So anyway, um, as I was, my original, my original thought that the Lord gave me was, I, I was reading a lot, and, and I, I started doing this, this kind of dig on, in the Word on salvation. And all, not all the time, all right, as it turns out, not all the time, but many times, over and over again, that word salvation, but it always comes back to that root word sozo, sozo salvation. And so I started thinking, okay, what is sozo salvation? You know, when we think of getting saved, what do we think of? I'm getting into heaven, right? When I get saved, when I give my life to the Lord, I'm getting into heaven. I would always tell people they often think of it as a get out of hell free card, right? I give my life to the Lord and boom, okay, heaven, I'm in, all right? For me, it was when a group of us guys got together Friday night and we, I felt the Lord tell me to share our salvation stories, right? And mine is when I was 12 years old, sitting at a church, a little country church, like a, maybe this wide, okay? Over here to this side, facing this way was some chairs and an overflow. It was a Sunday school room. You would close a curtain, open it up. Well, I, I loved, I actually went every night because, well, mainly because I had to. But anyway, I actually loved the evangelist. I was like, man, this guy's really good, 12 years old. So last night we're sitting there and I'm sitting on the front row with some buddies of mine and being the good mother that my mother was sat directly <laughs> Like right here, so she could keep an eye on Brian, because Brian has been known with his buddies to talk a little bit. That has never changed in my life. Um, and so mom could keep an eye, right? And so I don't know what happened. I don't even know what the guy said. I couldn't tell you. But all I know is at the end, I was in tears. Scott had pricked my heart in a way that I still couldn't tell you what that was like. So I made the big mistake, not a mistake, but I always call it that now, of looking at my mom. And mom's going, pointing to the altar. It was an altar call, right? She's going, like, get up there, right? And I'm sitting there going, no, 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 no. I'm not going up. Well, as I'm looking down, <laughs> trying to avoid all eye contact with my mom, I felt this arm grab me by the, this hand grab me by the arm and drag me up to the front, Right? The crazy thing is, as much as I really didn't understand it, I left there that night with like this, I felt this weight had come off of me. At 12 years old, I felt like this darkness had left my life and this light came on. And to me, that was my get out of hell free card because I was like, whew, okay, I got it. Did it change my life much? Nah, not much. Still lived the way I was living. Did I read my Bible a little bit more? Yeah, I did. You know, the easy psalm verses, it only had four or five verses. <laughs> I'd concentrate on those. You know, but it didn't change my life. And so a lot of times when we get saved, we think, oh, yes, I accept Jesus, I change. But it never does anything. It does, I, I, sorry, I know a lot of you here and I know it's changed your life. But so many Christians I've met, it's like, eh, you know, yeah, I go to church, I believe in God, I gave my life to the Lord, but it hasn't made a transformation. It hasn't changed anything. You see, for me, salvation is, it's not the end all, it's the beginning. 
It is the jumping off point. It is the time when I say, Jesus, I'm after you. I'm coming with all I got, everything I have, I'm coming after you. That's what salvation means to me. And I think that's what salvation is to God. It's like, come on, this is it. This is where we start this journey. This is where the, the, honestly, the fun begins. It's not all fun. I couldn't tell you that some of the years of my life were fun, but I know, look back now, that he was in every situation. He was in the situation when I was sitting in a chair at a home years ago, trying to take a bunch of pills that were supposed to make me better, but I wanted to take them all because I didn't want to be around anymore. He was in that moment. He was there. He was at the deepest, darkest places in my life. He was there. And guess what? I know that because he's brought me here. Ah, he knew I needed grace, so he gave me a wife that shows grace, beyond grace, beyond grace. That's my Jesus. I want to read. So going back to that, that journey with Jesus. So this morning, I'm not so sure it's part of that sozo salvation. Look, I guess I got to get back to that, right? This is kind of, this, sorry, you're going to get a, <laughs> he's been jumping around in my life in scriptures, but I'm so in love with these two weeks, two to three weeks, just journeying with him. But so-so salvation is just not getting into heaven. <laughs> Some of my brothers are laughing at me because I know what they're thinking. Anyway, I'm not going to look at them. Anyway, <laughs> so so-so salvation is just not getting into heaven. It is a complete transformation of your whole life. The neat thing is, you look up the word so-so, there's a part of it, when you go back, I did a lot of the interlinear stuff, going back Greek, Hebrew, all that stuff. The one thing it says about sozo, in one part it says uh, healing, physical healing, all right, mental, emotional, the whole thing. The neat thing is the definition goes like this. Uh, physical healing, and many times it means spiritual healing. Not really? You see, God wants all of you. He wants to transform the whole person. He just doesn't want you into heaven. Now, he wants you there because it says, uh, Warren and I looked at this, 2 Timothy 2.4, it is his desire that all be saved and come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. But that's not it. That's, the, that's one small part of his life. He says, I want all of you. I want to transform your whole being. I don't want you to just be, oh, I'm getting into heaven. How about that? You going to heaven? Go to heaven? You're good. We're going. And that's it. That's my life. I'm walking. Many years, that was my life. I'm getting into heaven. Good. Good for me. Did it change the way I acted? Did it change the way I treated other people? Has it now? Yeah. So sozo salvation is that complete, complete transformation. So if I know that he loves me that much, that he wants to transform everything about me, that even Megan, now what a testimony. Allow just to surrender that to God. How much more should I want to go after him? God's been speaking to me a lot about the more of God. The more of God. There's always more of him. But it's when you think you have it all figured out, there's more. I went to revival. We used to have revival services every year at the church I was at, right? I said the word right. Okay, that's, I'll, I'll let you in on the little secret, okay? I got these four guys that I meet with, okay? And I use the word right a lot, Okay? So their thing was they were going to count today how many times I said that word. Now, I'll be a nice guy. I won't mention those four guys, Steve, Brian, Warren, and 
Corey. Anyway, oh, did I mention those names? Anyway, so if you hear, all right, just, I wanted to let you all on that clue, all right? Anyway, there we go. Got that out of the way. All right. <laughs> See, I say all right now. <laughs> oh, my God. I love you guys. I do. I love this house. I do. So anyway, he wants the whole thing. So if I'm supposed to, if he loves me that much, why don't I just, I want, I have come to this point in my life, I just want more. I want more. I want more. Because guess what? There's always more to be had. Always. I went to revival service. Had them every year. And I remember one year God wrecked me. I went up front. God just took some stuff out of my life. Some issues that I was going through, things I was dealing with. He just cleaned me out. So what do I do next year? I remember going, great speaker too. And I remember going, but I remember sitting there going, I wonder what God's going to do for everybody else around here. Because last year, God dealt with me. Now, you all sitting there going like, oh, that's never me. Yeah, right. And I'm sitting there. I don't even know what the guy was preaching on. And he said, Brian, a little prideful, aren't you? At that point, I had just joined the staff of the church. So I was thinking, I'm on staff, right? I'm pretty good. I'm on staff. And I said, ah, a little pride in there, isn't there, Brian? I said, what? I said, ah, you dealt with me last year. <laughs> I'm feeling pretty good about myself. Really? Well, within 10 seconds, I wasn't. Guess who was back up at the altar? See, sometimes we get to that point, and it's not conscious. It's not, it's not a conscious thing, right? You're not thinking of it. You're not going like, oh, I really. But we get to that complacency point in our life. Oh, I got it together. I'm feeling pretty good today. I'm feeling pretty good. I've had a pretty good four or five weeks. I had a pretty good couple of months. Resting on the laurels of what we did before. I'm worried about Paul. This is where, this, was, this, is the, this is the awesomeness of God. This scripture was not even on my radar until last night. Not one single bit. But it contains one of my favorite verses, which I still, which I'll probably cry over because I, I wrestle with it a lot. Not really wrestle with it, but God just continues to reveal things to me about it. It's uh, Philippians 3, and I'm going to begin in verse um, 7. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, in by any, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. This is my favorite right here. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. Not one thing I do, forgetting all things, but one thing I do, forgetting all things, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press forward toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Paul, this is Paul who preached, I mean, to the Gentiles, who, who was beaten. Who, this is written in prison. I think that's correct. Right? Written in, while he was in prison. And he's saying, I haven't attained it. I haven't, he says two or three times, 
I have yet to attain it. I have yet to gain it. I'm still pressing on. I'm still pressing forward into more, into the more, into the more of Jesus. Until what? It says, that I may, why? That I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. And I always ask, I do when I get this, and maybe Pastor Steve or somebody else can, but this is what he reveals to me. He's like, what? I want to lay hold of Christ Jesus for that which he laid hold of me. He died for me. He gave everything for me. So why wouldn't I want to give everything for him? That is what it's like to lay hold of Jesus Christ, to give everything, to press on, to go after him. So once again, I looked up that, that little phrase, I press on. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. Anyway, I looked up that press on. And one of the words that it used to describe press on, when I looked it up in the Greek, Hebrew, whatever that was, I always get those mixed up, is persecute. Well, that seems a little strange. Now, not that Paul didn't know about persecution. He persecuted. Before he, when he was Saul, he persecuted. So he knows about persecution. But that doesn't make sense. I press on, so I persecute. Look, it up, look up the definition one time. Well, there's the one definition, of course, which is we know what the definition of persecuted. But the other one is this. To annoy or bother. <laughs> Not like you could annoy or really bother Jesus. But it gives you the picture of I want to go so much after Jesus that I annoy him. I want to press into him so much. I want to try to annoy him. That's how much I'm going to press in. You guys remember, I was, a, of course, growing up in the 80s, I was a teenager. And you guys remember, and I don't even know if they're still around, maybe they are, the boom boxes? Come on, I see a lot of you great people, not great people, great, great beard, great. I'm looking more at Warren, right? Um, all right, boom boxes, right? I was probably a junior or senior, wanted one for Christmas, right? I wanted, I just, man, I love, love music, I love, so I thought I want one. You know, the old cassette recorder in it, you know? So, Every time, you know, and you guys know the Sears and Robot catalogs used to have it pretty thick, right? So I'd tear that page out that had that boombox somewhere mom and dad could see it. Every time we went to the mall, I'd make sure I'd point them out. Every time. Well, I don't, I'm sure I was bothering them, but I think I was bothering my older brother more. Brother more. I'll never forget being at the Sylvia's Grove Mall, and I must have mentioned it. I don't know how many times. <laughs> Every time I saw one, hey, mom, dad, that's kind of what I want. Well, I annoyed my, this was like two weeks before Christmas. I annoyed my brother so much that he says, he called me aside, Brian, they got you one. So would you knock it off? <laughs> I'm like, yes! Score one for Brian. You guys, if you have grandkids, if you have kids, you have little ones, eh, mom, dad, oh, pop. They call me pop, well, sorry. My grandkids used to call me pop, pop. I just shared the story this morning. But my oldest grandson, who when he was four, decided that it would be fun if we came up with a nickname for Pop Pop. So now it's Popsy Poo. I've got four grandkids. They've taught it down through the years to all the other grandkids. Oh, yeah, it's, it's wonderful, yeah. Even my son and daughter-in-law go, hey, Popsy Poo. Anyway. When... And, and okay, I can't, you know, it was easier to say no to my kids, but when you're grandkids, 
They're going, hey, I, 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 they're down there, Tic Tacs. I have Tic Tacs with me. All, the Smuckers aren't here, but their girls will know. I, they hit me up every Sunday for Tic Tacs. I have a two-year-old granddaughter, Libby. As soon as you walk through the door, pop up, Tic Tac, Tic Tac, Tic Tac. And then all day long, Tic Tac, Tic Tac. And you know, I mean, who can't give your little cute two-year-old granddaughter Tic Tacs? So much now that they use that for potty training. <laughs> I want to annoy, try to annoy Jesus so much. I want to, I want to pull on his robe. I want to yank at his arm. I want to go after him so much, learn so much, fall so much in love with him that he can't help but just, we just, we taught him he was in prayer, we just turn around. That's our Jesus. Now, the neat thing is, it doesn't take much pulling or tugging when it's your grandchild. It doesn't take much pulling or tugging with Jesus. He just wants that time he wants that, nothing will replace intimacy with Jesus. Nothing will place, replace intimacy with people in your life. So when he's talking here about going after Jesus, when he's talking here about pressing in, reaching out, going after, it's just taking the time to say, Jesus, I love you. I want time with you. You got his attention. Right there. That's all it takes. That is it. You don't have to do things. You don't have to jump through hoops. You don't have to perform. You just have to talk to him. I love you. Jesus, I just want to be with you in your presence. That's what it takes to get his attention. I don't even take that to get his attention. And I relate it this way. There is nothing... Very few things that I love more. If you guys have ever seen um, my Facebook pictures, you know where we live, up on the mountain. We have a great view. Well, now, now when all the trees are off the leaves, we'll have a better view of the river. Beautiful. I mean, I, I love it. I do. And there is nothing I love more than sitting out on the deck. We have a swing that holds two people. Sitting with my beautiful bride. listening to the rain hit the awning and just talking together. Those are some of the most intimate times with her that I just, I adore. I could spend hours out there. We wouldn't have to say anything just to be in her presence. That's what Jesus wants from us. That's the pressing in. That's the going after just sometimes to give them time in your day. And you're going to say, well, Brian, you're unemployed right now, or um, <laughs> as some of my friends say, retired. But I say, no, I'm not retired because I don't get a regular income. And so you have all the time in the world. I do. Other than if I'm playing cornhole or golf. <laughs> See, my cornhole buddies here. By the way, I have five minutes because I got to leave for cornhole. No, anyway. He just wants your presence. 
I used to get up, I used to leave the house at 6 o'clock when I was working in our garage. I had to use, leave the house by 6 o'clock. So I started getting up at 5.30. Got half an hour, I can, whatever, 20 minutes to spend with God. But then I realized I loved that time, so then it was 5 o'clock. And by the time I quit my job a couple of years ago, I was getting up at 4 a.m. Couldn't get enough time. I couldn't get enough time. But Brian, you don't know my schedule. I've got little kids. I've got whatever. I get that. But carve out some time with Jesus. Carve out that time. Like I said, there's nothing that beats intimacy with Jesus. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Does he just start showering his love back on you? I will tell you this till the day I die, and it's my number one message. I love Jesus. I love who he is. I love what he's done in my life. I love what he's doing in the lives of the people that I love, and I love how he's using me to change lives of other people. He loves us. He loves you. He wants time with you. Now, I don't hear so much from guys, but if you talk to ladies, man, I wish my husband would spend more time with me. I was, there's nothing. Guys, that beats time alone with your spouse. And I'm just not talking alone, intimately. I'm talking just being there. Jesus wants your time. He wants your presence. Because why? Because he wants to transform everything about you. I love what he did to Megan. <laughs> I love those stories. He took a guy. 56, I almost forgot how old I was. I'm 56. 10, what's the date? 10 years ago, I'm trying to figure out what day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. 10 years ago, Wednesday, um, it's practically about the day I moved down here. Sorry, I, I was back beginning of August, getting my days mixed up. He took a guy that was going through a divorce, got booted out of his church because he was getting a little too radical, too charismatic, starting a charismatic movement in his church. I lost friends. I lost family. I had my youngest son who wouldn't talk to me for a long time because of what he thought I did to break up a family to being down here. <laughs> and through the love of this house, through the love of Jesus, God using you, to being restored, to being transformed, to being made whole, God wants all of you. He wants every last bit of you. So what is it in your life that you're kind of... Uh, well, God, you can have all of this, like Megan. You can have all of this stuff, but there's this one part I think I'm going to just keep to myself. Now, you may not consciously be thinking it, but what, when do you know it is? Because when you get that tension when you start talking to God about it. God will bring it up like he did to Megan. He'll say, well, what about that? I got it. We're good. We're good. Or you just say, no, I surrender that. There are still days today when God brings back things. Did you let that go? 
Did you let go of that? So, testimony. You, you heard all the negative stuff. So what's he done to me, doing for me today? Like I told you, I got a life. I, I did not have a life of grace before. I was afraid to do stuff wrong. I was afraid to mess up for what would happen. And now I got met a woman that just gives me grace all the time. I, I got brothers. I've got people in this house that just give me grace all the time. And what to do? It changes my life because now, guess what? I want to love them more. I want to love Jesus more. I want to turn, I, I just want to love everybody the best I can. And one other beautiful thing is, there's a scripture, uh, I want to say Psalm 30, forgive me if I'm wrong, Psalm 37 uh, says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. So, I have two wonderful sons in their 30s, hard to believe, four awesome grandkids, and I'm going to call them stepkids, but stepchildren, because that's not how they are to me, but three of them. And two of them are girls, ages 16 and 15. And God gave me that scripture, delight yourself in me, Brian, I'll give the desires of your heart. Years ago, a long time ago, when my boys were still younger, and I thought, okay, I get awesome. Brian, just, I need you to delight yourself in me. Just delight yourself in me. And that word delight, one of the first words it says when you look it up is dainty. I want to be dainty. But in a sense, it's that, it goes back to that intimacy. I want to delight in him so much. I want my heart, like Pastor Steve said, I want my heart to be so soft that I just receive everything he has to give. So anyway, I felt the Lord saying back years ago, like I said, I think it was even before the boys were born or right after that, that I wanted to have daughters. Put it in my heart, I wanted to have daughters, right? And we had the two sons. I love them to death. They're the best. God-loving, my oldest boy is a youth pastor. Well, sorry, just got, <laughs> talk about the promotion. He went from youth pastor to like associate pastor at his church. Four awesome grandkids. My youngest son and his wife are the best aunt and uncle. They just, they go down weekends a month and love on, the grand, on the, their nieces and nephews. I thought, ah, I just, I want girls. I want girls. And that's when he gave me that verse. Thought, delight yourself. Okay. So what's happened? It's got to happen tomorrow. <laughs> Daughters. Well, physically, that was impossible <laughs> All right, after the boys were born. Because of some changes in me, that was impossible. I thought, oh, thanks, God. Nice. So no daughters. Not a one. And then I moved down here, and I thought, well, if I ever meet anybody, after we went through a divorce, if I meet anybody, I'm 46. Daughter, kids are going to be great, you know, raised, they're going to be older. Once again, thank you, God. <laughs> really? And then I met Kelly and found out that she had a girl in kindergarten and first grade. I love those girls so much. You see, it doesn't always happen overnight. But if he, if he has a promise that he's given you, he may take you through some stuff, but he always comes through. Amen? He always comes through. Not in my timing, but he always comes through. But you have to keep pressing in. You have to keep pressing on. You have to try to annoy God. You have to try to annoy him, bother him so much that he can't help but turn around and say, huh, yeah, 
I hear you, I see you, but like I said, it won't take much. So I've been thinking, with all these, I have probably 10 more scriptures I could give you, but the one that I, I guess I want to end with, um, I don't even know. It's, it's just basically that, uh, I, I will, that's what we'll, we'll go to. So I'm all over the, it's 2 Corinthians three eighteen. And I think it goes back to our prayer time this morning. It turns about, about Jesus turning around and facing us. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same Im- image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. It says that the veil is torn. When Christ died on the cross. And it says we stand looking in a mirror at him is with unveiled face. And the more we look into that mirror, and in that mirror we see Jesus, it says we become like him. I love Steve Stansman, buddy. He will say, I see Jesus. You look like Jesus. I'll say, you look like Jesus. One of the best phrases I've ever heard. You look like Jesus. And the more time you spend in his presence, and before that mirror of Jesus Christ, the more you look like Jesus. I don't know about you, but I want to look so much like Jesus that people mistake me for him. I want to love people so much like Jesus that they say, wow, that really does look and act like Jesus. He really does. I want to show so much grace. Uh, I, wish, I think it might be um, Leonard Ravenhill. Or so, sorry if anybody knows. That he said, um, no, it wasn't Leonard Ravenhill. It might have been my buddy Bill Johnson. Um, he's my favorite, one of my favorite pastors. Next to Pastor Steve. Anyway. <laughs> so let's just get that in there. Because we dress alike. Anyway. And he said, I want to be so, I want to, I want to show so much grace that it looks like I'm soft on sin. I want to be so much like Jesus that I walk like him, that I talk like him, that I love like him, that I show grace like him, that I show joy and abundance like him. That's what I want to be like. I want to be like Paul. I haven't attained it. Till the day that I meet him face to face, I will have never actually attained it. But that is my goal. I want to grab hold of Jesus Christ for that which he grabbed hold of me. And this is the neat thing. In the end of that verse, and why do I know that's for all of us? Oh, Jesus. Is this. Paul says to the Philippian church, and he's speaking this to all of us, Brother, brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us as a pattern. Let us be of the same mind, walking together. Do you imagine what can happen in Millersburg and in this valley and in this county and into the state and into this country by what can be started right here, right now. 
if we all join like-minded just to go after Jesus. Say, I'm not, I'm not gonna be happy until have I grab, and that, that word attained is grab, like, like death grip on Jesus. That's what that kind of grip is. I wanna grab hold of him so much that you can try to tear me away from him, you can do whatever you want to me, but I'm not letting go. I'm not letting go of Jesus. That's what we all can have. And man, watch out Millersburg. Watch out Eville. Watch out Williamstown. Watch out Dauphin County. Watch out Pennsylvania. All because of this little community right here. All because it starts, you know, I I agree. I, I believe in the big C church, as Steve says, big C church. The overall, not just Hillside, but why not us? Right? Why not me? Why not here? God wants to do more than just send revival. He wants us to be a reformation, to start something bigger, far much more than what we can ever imagine. I wanted to start with me. I want to start in my family. I want to start in this church, in my community. I keep looking about my buddy back here, Lonnie. I'm not going, I hate to point him out if I cornhole with. I want to start at cornhole. I want to start on the golf course. Why can't it? I'm not even sure how to end this, to be honest with you. That's one thing, as, well, every time I preach, I've never figured that out. How do you end a service well? Because I could preach forever in a day. I'm just going to pray. I am. I'm just going to pray a blessing over you. I don't pray. And, if, and I'll be hanging around up here if you just want to. And I'm sure we have other people too. This is, how about this? I'll pray for you. But if you want that more of God, if you say, yeah, I, I, I be, I've, I'm saved, I get that. But I want more. If you want to commit to that, I'm sure we have some here in the house. We'll be glad to meet you up front here. Just find somebody back there. Say, I just want more. And let them bless you with the more of God. You know, we have that opportunity. We as as believers can bless others that way. Lay hands on you. Pray for you. Ah, what a journey. I'm telling you, (laughs) you will not regret it. I I love this journey. One, One quick thing. I love this journey so much that I've come to really love the correction of God. I know that may sound strange to some. If you were brought up in a religious setting, I hated being corrected. My mom used the fly swatter. Some of you in school probably got the old board. <laughs> but my mom used the fly swatter. Now, summertime guys on the bare legs. Yeah, I know some of you are smiling going like, yeah, I don't know what that would feel like. I hated correction. I love being corrected by God. I love having them teach me, showing me new things. Why? Because it's not that uh, anger. It's like, hey, Brian, puts his arm around me. I love you, but hey, we got a way of thinking we need to change. There's nothing but love in his correction. That's how much I love God. I can even take correction from him. Lord, we bless you. I pray that you were honored here today. That's all I wanted to do was honor you. And love these people that have loved me. You are glorious, wonderful, awesome, and you want more.